the spinning back click where each week here at MMA Junkie, we take a spin through the biggest stories in MMA. On this week's docket, more reactions to Nganu's boxing debut. Cormier and Visting, they're playing matchmaker. We'll cover that. And this weekend, we crown two more champions. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Gorgeous George. And with me, as always, some of the sharpest MMA minds in the biz. Joining me this week goes from MMA Junkie Radio. Junkie Radio is available on all podcast platforms. He's also the creator of SBC. He's in Las Vegas. Dan Tom is back. MMA Junkie's fight analyst always serves up the facts. For more on him, check out his podcast, Protect Your Neck. He's also in Sin City. And Danny Segura, he goes back-to-back weeks with us here on SBC. He's down in Miami. And if any of you MMA fans know someone that loves MMA and speaks Spanish, tell them about Hablemos MMA on YouTube. Cold coffee's on the ones and twos this week. Let's get started. Well, the reactions keep pouring in regarding Francis Ngannou's professional boxing debut versus Tyson Fury. Though he lost on the scorecards, Ngannou has had support thrown his way by many big names in combat sports. Here's a couple of examples. UFC president Dana White, he says, quote, the fact that he went 10 rounds with Tyson Fury is crazy. PFL founder Don Davis, quote, I think the opponents in pure MMA are not that interesting right now. Plus, he also says a few things about Deontay Wilder. And the UFC heavyweight champion, John Jones, he says, quote, I thought he did great. I'm glad the fight was competitive. Opened so many doors for everyone in the future. Panel, which reaction caught your attention the most and why? Goes, we lead off with you. You know, it's funny when you when you really break it down. I think the question is almost like, whose message did you look at and go, was he hacked? And I think for me, it was Dana White giving Francis Ngannou some props. Um, I get it. He really didn't have a choice. You know, what Francis did was pretty amazing. Like just the fight going off and him collecting the paycheck was was pretty big for Francis Ngannou. And then I think people would say, hey, making it to the final bell would be a victory. That'd be a great result. Uh, but actually competing, getting a knockdown, a split decision, like it's really, really hard to hate on that. And, and I get it. That's never stopped Dana before, right? But um, he did have his outs. You know, he, he could have just been full heel and and gone the whole route of well you know how they do in boxing or you do you really think he got the best tyson fury there's things he probably could have said but um saying he didn't watch the fight i guess that that's him maybe meeting us halfway and then saying that he uh he was impressed that he went the, the distance and it was amazing i think he met he met us in the middle there that's not too bad right i think what really makes things interesting though from that comment the way i read it was to me that's almost like him maybe leaving the door open a little bit, right? He's he's one of the guys that always says, never say never. And I always feel like any opportunity he had to kind of uh, poo-poo on this whole event, he'd take it. But this particular one I thought was a, a decent comment, so it did catch me by surprise. And maybe there's a little hope for Francis Ngannou one day to come back. Goes, do you think you watched the fight? I think he did. Well, what else are you going to do, man? What else are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Why do you think after 20 years, and he's the man, he's filthy rich, has a great promotion, awesome success story, he can't just go, yeah, I saw the fight, and then say what he had to say. Why do you think he has to kind of leave that that opening of, you know, or just a little shade, I guess? I don't know. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I think it just probably comes down to ego, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, 
when you run into an ex-girlfriend at Walmart or Target, are you really like throwing the best lines out there? I mean, I think we all just kind of have that little bit of ego in us. And I think that's probably what it is for him. Yeah. I just say nice pajamas. Nice seeing you. All right. Uh, Danny, your thoughts, man. Was there one of those quotes that jumped out at you? Uh, take two of you want, man. Let's have some fun. Sure. I'll take two. Just real quick on the whole Dana thing. Like, Francis Ngannou's performance was nothing but stellar. I mean, it was shocking. It was impressive. There's no way to shit on that performance. There's absolutely no way to do it. So I'm not surprised that Dana White had those type of comments because if he would have had anything negative to say about Francis Ngannou knocking down and battering and bruising up the best heavyweight today in boxing, having no boxing, prof having no professional fights in, in boxing under his belt, I mean, at that point, you're delusional if you're talking smack about a guy that, that just did that. So I think this is the best or like the most realistic shade that you could possibly give it. Like, oh, he won the distance. Unbelievable. I didn't watch the fight. Uh, but um, besides that, like another comment that really catched my attention was the Don Davis one, because Don Davis is a promoter of the PFL. And in a way, he was kind of shitting on his own roster and his own product, saying that, Look, we're realists. There's no, and I appreciate the honesty, but um, promoters are not supposed to be honest, right? Like part of their job is to kind of lie to you and, and entice you into buying the product. And, and he was just out there saying like, hey, look, there are no interesting fights for Francis Ngannou in the PFL. The only names that are interesting are in the UFC or boxing, or we can get a boxing guy into like a mixed rules fighter or whatever the case may be, but we got nothing. That surprised me because, again, promoters' job is to is to lie, to tell you that their product is great, to come buy it, et cetera, et cetera. So if the um, boxing fight, well, which they don't make any money and doesn't promote the PFL really, uh, so we can cancel that. But if the mixed rules fight doesn't happen, like what do you have left? What are you going to offer Francis Ngannou for, for his fight under the PFL? So um, very interesting comments by Don Davis. Uh, I respect them for being honest, but very surprised at, uh, at him coming out and saying that, PFL's got nothing for Ngannou. You're right. He could have left himself some sort of an opening, maybe for the winner of Fajeda and Goldsoft. I mean, that's your that's the guy you're crowning as champ and giving a million bucks to. I see your point, Danny. Good stuff. How about you, you Danny? Could have hyped Tom? up that final, saying the winner there maybe could have yeah. fought, be fighting Ngannou. Now everybody's seeing who's going to be Ngannou's potential next opponent. I don't know. Yeah, and, and good point on Dana should have included that knockdown. That was tantamount. I mean, that was really, really huge. So... Going the distance is it is crazy, but knocking down Tyson Fury is is pretty special for a guy making his boxing debut. Dan Tom, how about you, man? I thought that was a great answer by Danny, by the way, with the Don Davis one. And I, I agree, you know, this analogy is going to fall short on our audience, but it's like Bush Clinton Perot, just be Ross Perot. You know, it's not the early 90s, but ironically, you're not going to have to spend what Ross Perot is for, for the advertising. You're getting free advertisement. Advertise your product, right? And Moss Pro didn't have Ngannou. You actually have him technically. Like, use that. Like, that was a great point by Danny. Uh, but I'm going to actually take the Jones quote for a similar reason uh, and format that kind of goes broke down the Dana quote. Because I think they break down similarly where, you know, I think everybody's been on the wrong side of history enough with the Ngannou criticism that even the Dana Whites of the world who kind of have that FFU and F off money, so to speak. Like, even with that, he, even he's trying to, you know, be playing nice. He leaves out the knockdown. He he leaves out that, oh, I didn't see the fight or whatever, right? And then at the end, there's that kind of door leaving open. And you could break down John Jones's quote in a similar way where, 
you know, he's playing nice and whether he'll admit it or whether his fans will admit it, because if you can argue about Jones being pound for pound, there is one pound for pound argument that is unarguable with John Jones. And that is his fans are amongst the worst pound for pound fans. They're right up there with the, uh, and I love Khabib and Islam, but they're right up there with you guys. I'm sorry, folks. It's just the truth. They're going to come at me. It's fine. Uh, but that's, that, that's the, that's the fact. Like John Jones has been on the wrong side of these things. And I don't think he doesn't want to be on the, the wrong side anymore. And speaking on the wrong side, I don't think he wants to be on the other side of Francis Ngannou. He had the chance before. I don't need to break down that timeline. Going by John Jones' own quotes, folks, this is not me or some media spinning some narrative here. And I don't think he wants that again because what does he say? Oh, it's, it leaves the door open for everyone. And we know Jones, he doesn't really, really even want to fight the Sergei Pavloviches or the Tom Aspinalls of the world. He kind of wants those money fights. It's been established that way. The UFC is not so secretly saying it that way by keeping Steve A like, you know, demolition man in a cryogenic freezer. Apologies for the early 90 references today, folks. But yeah, that just told me that, you know, John Jones not only confirms that he probably doesn't want not still not want anything to do with Francis Ngannou in MMA or boxing, but maybe John Jones is twiddling his mustache now. Um, and we could maybe see even less of a comeback in MMA later down the career because now he is looking at those money fights. I don't think he'll do well. I don't think he'll do as good as Ngannou. But will he show up for a payday? I, I would see that more than you know him fighting Aspinall or Pavlovich. Love it. All right. Good stuff, guys. And, folks, we have a chat room where you can access us through YouTube or Facebook, and I'll be reading the comments. Obviously, the more quality the comment or question, the more likely I am to include it. And that doesn't mean that you can't you know, challenge us or whatever. That's okay, man. We got thick skin here, but just make it some solid, a solid point so we can at least have a discussion, allow us to retort. And the one thing I do ask though is hit that like button. Man, this YouTube thing is crazy. I heard there's some sort of an algorithm that is based off that and hit subscribe. And trust me, I'm leading you towards quality content. So if anything, we're hooking you up. How's that sound? No, but seriously, hit the like button. All right, let's move on to number two. Here's a couple of fights that have recently been pitched by former UFC champions who now work as color commentators, Daniel Cormier and Michael Bisping. Bisping is all over Justin Gagey versus Max Holloway for the BMF title. Cormier, he's down with Robert Whitaker versus Kamaru Usman. Which fight would you rather see, panel? Danny, you go. Man, this was a tough one. Obviously, both fights are amazing. I would say that I'm slightly more interested in seeing Whitaker versus Usman. There's something about that fight that just makes sense to me. That just sounds good. Also, a fight that I never really contemplated before. So I like the surprise. I like that all of a sudden this is a possibility and it's something amazing that I never really even thought of before. Now, what am I more most interested in seeing as far as um, move up a weight class? I think I'm more interested in seeing... Max Holloway move up to 155 than I am Kamaru Usman at 185. Granted, again, I'm excited for both, and I hope that both do happen. That'd be amazing. But Kamaru Usman at this point in time, um, I think he's still an elite fighter. He he showed that against Hamza Shimaev, but he is 36 years of age. Um, he's had some a lot of mileage on his body as well. So I think at most he's got two or three high-level fights left, uh, whereas Max Holloway going up to 155. I think it can be an entire chapter of his career. Let's not forget, Max Holloway is just 31 years old. Yes, he's got a, a ton of mileage on him, but let's not forget, he's Hawaiian. So, you know, that that he's kind of like the Toyotas of, of, of cars. Um, so I, I would love to see him at 155. I think he can uh, have really fun, interesting fights there, more than just the gagey one. And he can have a whole career chapter. Who knows? Maybe even challenge for a belt 
if things go his way. So I'm really excited, and I hope that it happens that we get Max Holloway at 155 because at 145, I think his days as a top contender are over just because Volkanovski is is there and has you know that 0 and 3 over him, so or at 3 and 0 over him. So um, I'm I'm all for Max Holloway at 155. Yeah, and you know, two guys that he mixed it up with, Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, they moved up to 155, filled in, you know, uh, their bodies and have had great careers uh, 10 pounds higher. So good point. All right, Dan, how about you, man? Which one do you like? Again, great points for my, my guy, Danny. Not just, you know, as a Hawaiian who loves Toyotas, uh, double points to Danny over there. But I will say, uh, even though it is the sexier matchup, I got to go with Usman and uh, Whitaker. Um, with Holloway, Gaethje, I expect that to be the answer. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. I just feel like even with that great analogy, uh, you know, with the Hawaiians and how they have that runtime, even BJ Penn, he had the record of not being knocked down. Once those guys do start getting hurt, the guys with the chins, it's almost like a worse fall off, though. You know what I'm saying? It's prolonged, but it's almost arguably worse. And I feel like Max, um, that could be the matchup, a bad matchup. Gaethje could be the guy to do it to him. And when you think about Max being originally scheduled to face Tony Ferguson at a short notice film, remember that, folks? post UFC 200 um, to, oh, we're going to give him Khabib on short notice then. Oh, why don't we just give him a prime Dustin Poirier? Oh, now we're going to give him a prime Justin Gaethje who's operating the best ever. Like, I want to see Max up at 155 too, but let's give him a more winnable fight first, folks. Let's, 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 come on, come on. I love the matchup though. It's a a sexy matchup, but Whitaker and Usman is something that I've been wanting to see for a minute. Um, when back when Usman was champ was getting the pound for pound accolades and Whitaker was deservedly getting some pound for pound accolades. Um, and now it still makes sense because they're both in kind of, you know, no man's land, you know, uh, two losses to the sitting champ. Although that's not the case right now with Strickland at middleweight, but you guys know what I mean. Whitaker's kind of been that gatekeeper for a while. Give him something fun. Give him something sexy. It's still a perfect match for both guys. Good stuff, man. All right. How about you goes? What are your thoughts here? Uh, you lean towards one more than the other? Look, even though he's my mustache brother for this episode, I'm going to have to disagree. I, I get where they're coming from with Gagey and Holloway, but my problem is something that Dan kind of brought up. I can't get that memory of Holloway at 155 out of my head. Despite being the taller fighter, he just didn't really have, like, he didn't fill in. He didn't have the mass. And that's something that he uses so well to his advantage at 145, right? The, Max Holloway's the type of guy that, He's going to take a couple punches to give one of his own. And you can't mess around like that at 155, especially with a guy like Justin Gagey. He will turn your lights off. And there's three or four other guys that are waiting in the wings that are are willing to do the same thing. So if Max Holloway does do this, I think, you know, like Danny said, just make it a full-time commitment and really fill into your body and and maybe have to change your fighting style a little bit. Because I don't know that he can cut that over at 155. So for me, the fight that I'm looking forward to more is Usman and Whitaker. I think it just kind of makes sense and it answers a lot of questions, right? Like, is Kamal Usman really going to gel into this middleweight division? Is he going to be a player? You know, does he have one more run in him? And then when you you flip it over to Robert Whitaker, is he going to be able to bounce back, right, from the loss to DDP? What was that all about? Because he did get dominated in that fight and a lot of people didn't have it going that way. So I think the fight itself would be fun to break down. I could totally get behind something like this. They're both fun, but I just feel like this middleweight matchup makes more sense. Yep. But greedy me, I'll just say I'm not a panelist. I can I can steer off the rules. Give them both to us. That's those are some great fights. I'd love to see them both on the same card too. That's how greedy I am. All right, let's catch up on some comments from these first two 
topics. Billy247, great seeing you in here. He says, the intro still cracks me up. That gives me a chance to give some love to our brother, Abby, who uh, put that thing together. It does crack me up, too. I love it. Uh, Sky V's and El Daddy, he's back. Great to see him. Mark Fellows says, what a panel. Pump for UFC 295, ERCOG versus uh, Costa. Seems like Gozi has three additions to his window today. Uh, is he talking about the gloves, Gozi? Did you add a glove? I know one's the yeah. stash. What else? Is we got a Strikeforce glove and a Pride glove. I got it as a, a birthday gift for my, my man, Chris, in Seattle. So thank you so much for that. That's awesome. Yeah, Very cool. hard to find, man. That, best John background, Raines. my vote. Thank you. <laughs> John Rain says, hell yeah, always a treat to see Dan Tom on here. Joseph Boza says, I would love... To say PFL founder Don Davis's C, I think he's meant to say, uh, Don Davis's reaction caught me by surprise. I don't I, I, actually, I think I might be butchering it. He is basically saying Francis should stick to MMA because he would destroy the PFL heavyweight division. Yep, that's kind of what we were thinking. Um, hit the like and bu uh, subscribe button. That was me in there, by the way. I'm gonna try and do both at the same time, and uh, I might repeat it a couple times, so just bear with me. But it's really important to us, so please, if you don't mind, hit that. Uh, Frozen, like Elsa says, if Ngannou stood in the UFC, he would have finished Jones in hindsight and smoked everyone and made $8 million. Is that true, guys? I know that some other media members have kind of been boxing about the numbers and things like that. So I don't mind bringing that one back if anyone wants to chime in. But do you guys think he could have maybe done all that uh, during the time that he waited for the Fury fight? I, I have no problems with this decision. I think he made out like a bandit. I think his popularity is huge right now. They're talking about him in two sports. I think uh, Frozen, like Elsa's got to let it go. Hmm. I like it. I agree. Right. It goes, yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Uh, I'll try and catch up a little bit, but keep the comments coming. And let's get to topic number three. The UFC looks to be making a move towards crowning a new champion, multiple Sources recently verified a proposed matchup between Raquel Pennington and Maida Bueno Silva, which would take place on January 20th, 2025 in Toronto. This would be for the vacant women's Bantamweight title, which was recently left vacant by the retirement of former champion Amanda Nunez. Number eight, by the way, on our 30 greatest fighters countdown. If you've been tracking, you should be. You'll love it. All right, guys, do you love that booking or do you hate it? Love it or hate it? Dan. I'm going to go with love it just because Raquel Pennington is an underrated fighter, okay? So I got soft spot for Rocky, but I'm also a big Shitara fan. Myra Bueno Silva, uh, she's done really well at the betting window for anybody betting her at plus money. And I really hate, you know, I know we're going to be done with USADA, but I'm not a fan. I've never been a fan from the start of this kind of thing. And I feel like we've only caught in, uh, people using medications like for ADD or marijuana or things that are not uh, steroids. I think I feel like we've, we've gotten more of that than anything here. So um, I, I, I love that she's not being punished. And more so, I guess I will say that anybody not loving this fight, I don't blame them. I'm not going to be like, this is the best fight ever. Um, I will say, though, that it does make sense. And whether it makes sense or whether we like it or not, we should not be surprised, folks, because it's not what we like as media. It's not even what you you guys like as fans. It used to be. Remember the Dana White vlog days? And you know, those were the days, right? I mean, that was that was the Dana White of the people. Not anymore, folks. They don't care about what the fans want. It is what the UFC schedule. It's not the fighters. It's not the fans. It is the brand. This is something that you know, I, I've been getting toasted. Luke Thomas has been saying forever, you know, other media members. It's, it's nothing new to us, folks. It, it's been coming. It's the schedule. 
that's why we, 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 it's a love hate. And the hate of it is we get matchups like, you know, uh, you might not like, maybe not the most sexiest matchups. So, you know, don't hate the fighters, uh, hate the people that are uh, making the game. Okay. <laughs> Ghost, how about you, man? Love it or hate it? Well, you know, I think like week after week, aren't we always saying we need to do what's right? And I think in this situation, they didn't really have much of a choice. This is kind of what makes the most sense. It doesn't really pop, um, but they didn't have very many choices here. You know, lover or hater, Juliana Pena, man, she can sell a fight, um, you know, whether it's with her mouth on the mic. And then when she shows up in the cage, she, she does a pretty good job there, too, as well. So when you take her out of the equation, yeah, I mean, you're hurting a little bit. Raquel Pennington, I know she's kind of on the quiet side, the respectful side. And there's nothing wrong with that. And Myra Bonasilva. Uh, her English is actually getting better, and she's very charming when you hear her in, in, in interviews, but maybe that hasn't translated just yet. So I understand why people maybe feel like this felt a little flat, but it makes sense. It's what you got to go with, I think, in the situation. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to be a fun fight. I think um, Raquel Pennington, when she's at her best, she's tough. And Myra Buenosilva, I, I don't think we've seen the best of her yet. I think she's still going to continue to improve. It's just that feeling, you know, that... I think part of it as well is kind of like Amanda Nunes and, and her not being around them having to kind of be in her shadow. I can understand how difficult of a situation is and, and why people feel this way, but I think it was the right move. And we, we can't, we can't complain about these things one week and then say something else the next week. I think this is the right move. Okay. Uh, how about you, Danny? What are your thoughts on this? Love it or hate it? Uh, I know I, I do want to throw it out there. I think it's probably some something people are reacting to. What about Juliana Pena? Apparently there was an injury. Kaylin Vera is coming off a win. Irene Aldana, who I know you're very close with that camp, she's coming off the recent loss to uh, Amanda Nunes. So, yeah, I guess maybe we didn't have so many names, but that doesn't mean you still have to love it. So love it or hate it. Well, I'm I'm somebody that generally just um, makes a lot of his decisions or, or comments and has certain outlooks on the sport based on sporting wise. Every now and then, I'll, I'll you know uh, go into the entertainment and maybe or just for action. But uh, usually, I like to sort of build my 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 takes based on uh, sporting fairness and in this case i think this is the the fight that you got to make in the division keeping in mind that juliana peña as you mentioned uh is unavailable or that's what she says right um so i think this fight does make sense however i, I just wanted to point out that yeah i have no problems with this fight at all but uh, if i gotta be honest am i excited for it is this a fight that i want to see is this a fight that i've been thinking of uh no not really um and i think that's just kind of like the state of the women's bantamweight division. This is nothing specific to Raquel or Mayra Bueno Silva, who are very good fighters. Both are, uh, but just really the rest of the division. I think if you put in other names there, I think maybe Juliana Pena would spice things up a little bit, but outside of her, like most fights would kind of just be a bit bland. And I'm just kind of scratching my head here and thinking like, where did this go wrong for the UFC matchmakers? Because how are you going to have a division that at some point had, you know, a, a Holly Holm that was a superstar, Misha Tay, Ronda Rousey, uh, Amanda Nunes, and, and you weren't really able to transfer over some of that star power to the other ladies. Uh, you weren't able to like, navigate the matchmaking in a way that this fight may be under circum different circumstances or uh, sort of a, a, a alternate reality. It would be exciting. It would feel big. It would feel... I don't know, important, but um, I don't know, just kind of the state of the women's bantamweight division. I'm not feeling it. 
uh, women's flyweight, strawweight, great. But bantamweight, I, I don't know what's happened that uh, everything just seems kind of bland at this point. That That is kind of odd, Danny, when I you think that. about it. Because, like, you know, George mentioned it in the intro, like our, our 30 greatest fighters – there's two bantamweights on there already, you know, like this, they have had an identity for a long time. People have tuned in, but just lately it's, it's starting to, to feel a little flat. And, and I feel like they have talent. It's just yeah. uh, maybe they're just not promoting them the way they have for others. Right. Yeah. Like I, I've seen, for example, like UFC has been pushing Alexa. We saw what they did with Nocho UFC and like we've seen Zhang Weili, how much they push her at 115. Right. Um, At bantamweight, like. We see how, like, for example, Sean O'Malley, we knew they were getting behind him, right? And certain fighters, like uh, Hamza Shimaev, right? A perfect example. I haven't really felt, and maybe you guys can correct me, uh, I haven't really felt the same at women's bantamweight. Has the UFC pinpointed a fighter that they want to push? H has it felt like they've made an effort to kind of prop Holly that Holmes. division up? I, I haven't felt it, to be honest. <laughs> Holly yeah. Holm. That's about it. It's the same fighters for the last 10 years in bantamweights and the rankings and the, and the recycling process. So that is one good reason for at least the Myra Buena Silva side, right? But but mm -hmm. I don't want to say in defense of the UFC, but in defense, it's 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 been a really weak division though too. So that, it's been really tough. So maybe that's why we are getting the, uh, the as I jokingly say, Holly Holm, and not so jokingly, that is the right answer, kind of right. Yeah, yeah. George, you might want to murder me for doing this, but I want to jump in because I've been waiting for Dan to be on spinning back click to ask him this question. But Danny, you brought up Noche UFC. And one of the things that Dana White had talked about was doing that at the Sphere. And I want to say Dan is probably the only one of the four of us has actually been in the Sphere. To me, MMA there seems like a bad idea. It seems like it's super distracting. The way you would be looking down, like, I don't even think anybody would really look at the cage. They'd probably be looking at the screens. I wouldn't mind watching a pay-per-view there and watching the screens and just sitting back and doing that. But live fights, Dan, will that work in the Sphere? Uh, no, Sphere's more of a show, and, and it's tough. I've laid on my review for this, but, like, people got really mad, and, and I, I, I said, like, I would love for the UFC to go. I hope they do well. Like, we're media. We get to cover this. Like, would you guys not want to go there for a show? Like, it's an amazing experience, but it's for a show. And when I recently went back to watch uh, Pride 33, one of the best cards of all time that I believe at least two of the panel members may have been at, George and Goes, right? Um, yeah. I know Goes was for sure. And that was, I forgot, they started it like a show, right? Like Japanese MMA, like they had like a whole like movie production to show you that gets you into it. And that's before the dun, 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 the drum walk. I'm not even talking about that, right? UFC has none of that. UFC has famously walked that back even before this ESPN branding era, right? So it doesn't really get me too excited as far as what they can do with that. And when you come to the actual action, what Ghost said is correct, because when you look at it, there's very little room for an actual stage. Like they'll make it happen here at the Virgin or smaller venues where you maybe only have kind of a, a three kind of wall. You're not performing in the round and they will sneak. Don't get me wrong. Those WSOF. We recently had Marab versus uh, Davalashvili versus Peter Jan there, right, uh, for a UFC fight night uh, this last year. Um, and they'll sneak like a row back there or whatever, but this isn't the same. You're not sneaking rows to the side or the back of it. And in fact, not only is it a small, steep down look, because you're not meant to really look down there, so to speak, but there are also massive air blowers that limit uh, the seating and stage. Now, maybe you can get a U2 or a band to play on there, but I mean, we're still in uh, <laughs> Las Vegas' home. As, joke, as much as we joke about the athletic commission, there are rules. You do need like... Uh, ambulance accesses walkways like there's all these logistics that do not apply with what it was designed for and it was not designed for sports and i know sports fans are sports fans so unless you're saying 
I like sports. I like what you like. Buffalo Wild Wings, Super Bowl. Like, if I'm not saying that, I'm going to get tortured. <laughs> so people, like, hate when I say this. But I'm like, I, I, it's not against it. Like, I want the UFC to go there. I would love MMA to incorporate visual stuff. I love all that trippy stuff. Believe me, folks. I'm just saying it's two different things, though. It's two yeah. different things. Is it a 360 thing? Like, when you went, is it like yes. the whole wall is like, it's it's a dome, basically. Yeah, so basically you would like to even to even utilize that, you would need that kind of like Mark Zuckerberg metaverse like technology, right? And we kind of saw that that's not really where it needs to be. Um, especially just that's for, and that's just for like a basic like Oculus kind of like user experience, right? Much less for the I don't know, I don't know what was it like 18k or whatever? Um, that most things wow. cameras can't even record. Yeah, it was it was it, 18k. We were some of the first to see 18k images for the uh at least I don't know about for the U2. But for the Darren Aronofsky, they're actually like unloading 8, 8K images. And even for that, this was a filmmaker. This was pre-produced. This isn't live, right? Like this is right. this guy is an award-winning filmmaker, okay? And it wasn't that long of a film. It was actually pretty short. It was like only like 50 minutes long or 54 minutes long. There were plenty of slots that they don't even look consistent. Like that doesn't – and I'm, I'm, I'm saying that in a bad critical way. Like they're still figuring this thing out on the fly. Like Aronofsky yeah. used this uh, analogy. He goes, this is like building a plane while you're flying it. So the fact that what it's built for, the professionals who actually have experience in this are having difficulty even having a consistent product. I know Dana White's Dana White, and he does have the promoter speak down. You can't take that away from the man. But like, I don't think I definitely think he's out of his depths on what he's what he what he, what he's promising. I guess what what I'm thinking is like, and I haven't been, and I haven't to be honest looked uh, too much into it so i don't know how it works but i'm i'm assuming is like if you're watching a show like they have a surrounding is almost like as if you're in right but if it's yeah. a sporting event like what would you play like how, how would it work are you in the octagon right. and you're looking around or what the yeah. hell like i i don't understand right like yeah, are they, are they going to have to like you know suit up keith peterson in some kind of like vr thing and he's going to be out there like maybe yeah you know, having to bear the brunt of it for us you know like mm-hmm. That's funny. <laughs> um, guys, I did want to throw this out there. And if you have a piece of paper near you and you crumble it and throw it at me, I'll take it. Or maybe you'll give me a fist bump. But I had a wild card when it took this long. Because remember, she retired in June, if I'm not mistaken. We've sat here forever and we don't even get the vacant title till January. That's kind of a long time for someone that proclaimed, I'm done, you know, and it seemed like she was telling the truth. My wild card, guys. Uh, was GDR, Jermaine Durandamy. She had a baby, but she had said that later this year, I think I heard that through her team, she was going to come back and fight again. If you've ever taken a look at her record, dude, she's got some skins on her wall. Um, She's a former featherweight champ. And I don't know. I just just thought maybe they they could possibly bring her back because she kind of is exciting in the sense that She's a great striker. You know, she'll get some finishes. Not really too much of a smack talker, but speaks English. Doubles as, a, I think, a cop in, in the Netherlands. So I thought maybe there was some marketability. She just ran into a freight train with Nunez, right? But she's mm-hmm. beaten some really, really quality fighters. Um, I don't know. I was hoping maybe she could be one of the two participants, especially when Myra Buena Silva was having her, her problems with USADA, which apparently have been cleared up. Pena, I didn't even know she was having an injury, but... Um, or she had an injury, but I don't know. What, what would you guys have thought of that? Has it been too long? Because I think we're going on three years since we've seen her. I think too long, yeah. I think this is the fight, really. Like, if, if we look at it sporting-wise and 
it's number two versus number three. And keeping in mind that number one, Juliana Pena is injured. Like this makes sense. Like credit to the UFC who sometimes choose entertainment over uh, sporting merit. Uh, and I get it, you know, they're a business, but in, in this scenario, they could have put in Holly Holm and then, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think it was a no contest, the, the fight against uh, Mayra Bueno Silva. And Holly Holm is obviously a known name, somebody that would carry much weight into the fight, at least promotionally. But they went with Pennington and, and Silva, which I think it's the, the right choice here. So credit to the UFC for that. But um, just as I'm happy that this is the right fight to make, I, I, you know, I also can't say that I'm super stoked for it and I'm vastly excited for, for this matchup. And the other thing I wanted to say, the UFC really just needs to concentrate on their women's MMA. If you look at the champ, Zhang Weili, she's been beaten twice for by Rose, yet Rose is kind of frozen out. We've always talked about how when someone loses twice to the champ, they're frozen out. But yet somehow Rose went to 125. It didn't go successful. Then you look at 125, and thanks, Michael Bell. I mean, we... We didn't solve that. We got to run them two back again. I've enjoyed their fights. No problem with it. But here's why I say that. Because I thought that if somehow, if Valentina won, okay, obviously the trilogy. But if she didn't, I thought she could maybe compete at 135. When the only person that really stopped her was Nunes. And she has a win over Pena as well. Um, plus, Blanchfield and Manon Firot, they're, you know, seems like they're big for 125 a little bit, where maybe they could also go up to 135. So maybe we have some hope there. But, you know, we're talking about this matchup at 135. We're, we're just not too excited. And then 145 is a catastrophe. But, geez, I, I don't know. I think the UFC should really focus on women's MMA. I don't know if they just have to send scouts out there all over the world and find a way to build these ladies up. But, yeah, those divisions, they, they just were popping a few years ago way more. And right now... It, it, yeah, I just don't see too much excitement levels from fans or media when announcements are made. But anyway, those are my thoughts. Um, let's go to topic four. This past Saturday night, Jailton Almeida defeated Derek Lewis in the main event at UFC Sao Paulo. Almeida dominated Lewis on the ground, scoring a unanimous win over the Black Beast. Almeida had been surging through the heavyweight ranks on a similar path as Sergei Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall. However, this fight was not regarded by most in the MMA space as a statement win. Did this enhance Almeida's stock as a title challenger? Guys, are you buying or selling? Goes? Um, no, I'm saying, look, I think I'm buying. It's not a performance where I think you um, you say he's a guy that's going to win a title and he's going to hold on to it, but it's definitely a performance where you say this is a guy that deserves to be up towards the top, right? Derek Lewis, no matter where you have him in his career, He's still always a dangerous guy, and this is a guy that dominated him. Now, I'm going to say dominated, and I'm still going to sort of criticize him because I think when he goes back and he watches this fight, I think Almeida's going to see there's definitely room for improvement, right? There were some there positions where I think maybe he lacked a little bit of aggression, where maybe a couple elbows here and there could have forced Derek into another position where he could have capitalized on it, and he didn't do that. And so... um even though he dominated that fight, I still feel like there's some tweaks that need to be made for him to be a little bit more towards like the guys that we're going to talk about soon and Pavlovich and Aspinall. I feel like he's like maybe one notch below them right now, but it seems like a kid that's hungry and wants to get better. Um, he, he says good things on the mic. So I, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. Uh, I don't think he really needs to rush anything because of how heavy it is at the top right now. That, that whole scenario needs to play out and he's going to have time to get better. So I think he should just take his time and work on that. 
And you stated earlier you enjoyed the fight. It was okay. Yeah, it wasn't bad. But that's mostly because Derek Lewis at any time, I mean, he's proved, proven to us yeah. he could end the fight. So that was part of it, you know? Each round stands, uh, starts on the feet, and then Derek did get up a few times, and that's when I was on the edge of my seat. But, yeah, a lot of people were not digging it too much. How about you, Danny? You buying the Almeida stock or are you selling it? I'm buying it in terms of his potential of what he can do and how far he can go in the division. I mean, if you just look at his shots um, – you will see very, very little heavyweights get down all the way to their knees to actually wrestle. It's mostly all, you know, ties and, and whatnot. Um, he's clearly a light heavyweight build fighting at heavyweight, which is completely brilliant because he's bringing in uh, some of the things that um, make light heavyweight successful at heavyweight that are rare to find and using that to his advantage. And I'm sure he's going to contend for a title, like fight for a title at some point. Well, he'll be champion. I'm, I'm still a little hesitant to, to go that far and say that he will. But certainly he'll fight for a belt. I think his potential is, is quite uh, big. However, um, I, I think he should just look at the blueprint of, or at least the career of the guy that he was supposed to fight that night, Curtis Blades. Uh, Curtis Blades is a phenomenal fighter, but uh, not a very exciting fighter. I know he's had some finishes here and there. But I think his style um, hasn't been too appealing uh, with fans. And I think that's cost him. We talked about, or at least I've mentioned a little before, how the UFC sometimes um, looks over sporting and looks at entertainment and money in order to make certain fights happen. Man, you got to be a draw. You got to be a draw. You got to be exciting. And I'm not saying like, you know, game plan out the window and go trade shots with Derek Lewis. That is a terrible idea. No, you just had to do the same thing that you were doing, but just be more aggressive. Implement some ground and pound. I think you can wrestle and have a, a heavy uh, wrestling attack and still be exciting. Look at Islam. Look at uh, Habib, right? I think Jalton was in many positions where he could have landed ground and pound where the position was secured and he chose not to. It kind of gave me vibes of like Damian Maya when he would outright say like, I do not want to hurt my opponents and I'm just going to grapple and that's it and kind of have this like old school mentality of just using jujitsu to prove it's like the best or most optimal martial art. Um, man, you got to do some damage. This is the heavyweight division. Um, and I don't think it's a huge fix. I mean, he was in the positions to do damage. He just, I don't know what kind of felt like he chose not to. So, um, I'm high on his potential as far as a, a, a contender, but if he doesn't get some sort of killer instinct, um, Maybe he won't get favorable calls from the UFC, you know, because they do value entertainment. So we'll see. But uh, I would say his stock took a little bit of a hit with this performance. Yeah, you're right. The killer instinct was missing a little bit. Dan, I got your broker on the line right now. He wants to know, man, Almeida stocks. Are you buying or selling? I can't sell uh, the stock of like literally one of two or three heavyweights that actually can wrestle in this division. And that was a great shot, a uh, shout uh, Curtis Blades uh, from Danny. Although I will say Curtis is like barely earning himself on that list anymore. Maybe to Danny's point, because of that treatment, that is very true. Curtis has maybe has almost felt like the need to strike more. And he's frustratingly not wrestled as one of the only wrestlers in the division. So I welcome a guy like Jailton Almeida. But for a guy who is affectionately referred to on the internet as the jail man, because he's essentially nasty Nate from Half-Baked, going to take your cornbread in the shower, in the lunchroom, doesn't matter where it's going to happen, folks. You figured a guy named the jail man would be a little better at going to pound town, if you know what I mean, right? And of course, I'm talking about striking while on the ground. Get your guy's head out of the gutter. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about what Danny was talking about. Striking on the ground 
down. And like Danny said, it almost looked like he chose not to. And I'm a big fan of the jail man. The, he follows me on Twitter. Okay. Like I don't like it when heavyweights follow me in any way, much less on Twitter. I don't need this man knocking at any of my doors. I don't need Malhadinho coming this way. You know what I'm saying? But I will say, in the spirit of James Krause and speaking of cornbread, like I, 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 I am curious if they if they want to trace maybe where the bread went as far as who bet that decision prop because there were certain points where it's like, come on, man, like, are, like I think in round three he hits him like he hits him with a good hammer fist and like Lewis turns over and he's like, Ooh, I don't want to do that too much. I don't want to do that too much. And I'm speaking this of course half jokingly as well as an admitted gambler who will bet on like round props or something. And it reminded me, I was off last week, by the way, but it remi- and I didn't watch this live, but when I went back to watch it, it reminded me of somebody like playing for the later rounds for bigger odds. Like, no, no I don't want it to end too early. I want it to go. And you look at the prices, like you were priced out on betting anything, but like getting like crazy odds on a decision, not trying to throw that in the universe, even though I technically just did. I will say this and ended on this though. If this fight did take place in prison, I think even the prison guards would be like, at a certain point, but guys, if you guys aren't exchanging cornbread or bodily fluids, what are we doing here? Can we just get up? Can we just get up? Because there was no strikes being thrown. You know, it was it was crazy. So, yeah, come on, jail man. Give us better than that, buddy. I know you got it. Yeah, and you know, Mark Goddard was only vocal towards the end. I thought there was a few moments where he could have stepped in and just started telling them. not. Look, I know there's a lot of people that say, let it go, let it go, let it go. Others say stand it up, right? sports entertainment or the actual pureness of mixed martial arts but still i do like it when they step in and even though they don't stand them up there's these warnings right they he tells them either that or maybe my sound was getting drowned out but i i just felt like there could have been a little bit more of that uh earlier it was compelling when the round would end and we knew they'd come back standing and then lewis would squat down and threaten with an uppercut he never really threw a flying knee that i can remember and that's how he ended his last fight so he was kind of messing with his head a little bit. And then, you know, I don't want to bury Jailman because, man, he really dug deep at times. When there's been a lot of grapplers, when it don't go their way, they get served up and knocked out, you know. All of a sudden the tide turns. But, man, he stuck with the wrestling. He won some scrambles. So there was something there. But at the end of the day, this is fight entertainment. And look at where Pavlovich and Aspen all are. And it's because of, like, what Danny said that killer instinct, it was just missing. This guy's like 19-2 and two overall, 6-0 and in the UFC. He should be right where those guys are. And right now, he's just not there. He, he needs to shake shake things out with a fight or two, uh, and maybe he can join those guys. And as you all know, that year that you cost yourself sometimes can really hurt because what happens in a year? Jones comes back. Miocic is back in the mix. One of these two is going to win unless Michael Bell's the third judge and we get a draw or something like that then who knows if they have to run it back. But, yeah, this was Jailman's opportunity, and he just didn't go for it. He didn't bet on himself. He didn't roll the dice. Oof, man, was, I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was just a big missed uh, chance. Anyways, all right. So let's go to topic number five here, guys. This weekend coming up, the UFC turns 30. Well, technically the day after UFC 295 on Saturday, November 11th quick chance for us to plug our watch along goes and i will be doing a watch along on saturday for ufc 295 watch the fights with us starting at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific for four prelim cards and then the main event starts it's a pay-per-view as you know and whether you order it or not hang with us but if you don't order it we'll be your eyes and ears 10 p.m eastern 7 p.m pacific uh solid card with two title fights that we'll talk about now all right so in the main in the main event and co-main event here are the fights to look forward to. Yuri Prasovska 
versus Alex Ojeda for the vacant UFC light heavyweight title. This is the proper, the undisputed. The winner will get that belt around his waist. Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall in the co-main event for the interim UFC heavyweight title. Even though Jones is hurt, and even though other champs have been stripped when they've had serious injuries, this one didn't go that way. He's still the champ. He will fight Miocic, may I point out, when he comes back and is healthy. So one of these two guys may even have a chance to defend the interim belt. I don't know. My head's going to explode if I really get into it. But the question here, guys, is which fight is most intriguing for you? Danny, we go back to you, South Beach. Man, it's got to be Jerry Prochaska versus Poatan, uh, Alex Pereira. That fight is just amazing. That fight is something that would go down in Valhalla. Like the first thing you do when you enter Valhalla is watch these two just go at it. Like this is it. These are two warriors that love to scrap, big power, take big chances, all gas, no breaks, uh, very questionable defense, certainly not questionable offense. I love this fight. This fight's amazing. Plus, it's for the undisputed. And these guys have been training for each other to fight each other uh, in a full camp. I love the Tom Aspinall versus Sergey Pavlovich fight. Amazing fight. I really do uh, enjoy that matchup. But it does come under um, unfortunate circumstances given John Jones' injury. Pavlovich was as a backup, but like I wonder how hard he was training. Plus, he was training either for John Jones or uh, Stipe Miocic. Now he's getting Aspinall. And Aspinall... Um, he was supposed to come and take this fight for, you know, the whatever the British uh, broadcast partner is, I think TNT or, or whatever the case, uh, whatever it is. Um, so it's a fun fight. It's a great fight for sure. But I just wish both these guys had full camps specifically for each other. But man, nothing can top that. Yuri Prochaska versus Alex Pereira fight. Sign me up. I'm all in on that one. Um, yeah, that, 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 that I'll, I'll just say it. that's the shit. That's, that's the fight. Uh, that's a fight to, to, to watch in this card. All right. How about you, Dan? Do you feel the same way? It, it's an amazing fight. Uh, it definitely is. It's going to be chaos versus Chama uh, for Poetan Pajeda and Prohaska. Uh, that would probably take my favorite, obviously, because I'm a big Poetan fan as well. Uh, and obviously, how can you not be a Yuri Prohaska fan? I've been watching that guy since, you know, putting on crazy fights in Risen. I will say this, though. I think the heavyweight fight is a genuine contender for this question. But the one thing that kind of knocks it out, at least for me, not saying it has to for others, because again, the heavyweight fight is actually a really good one not to sleep on. It's just the fact that one of the parties is taking this on short notice. And I screamed it to the top of my lungs with the Volkanovsky and Makachev fight, even with the Usman fight, despite Usman overperforming arguably against Chemaev. It is the elephant in the room, folks. It doesn't matter how good you are. You, you, you can't be fighting, you know, on a shorter notice like that. So we'll see uh, how that affects Aspinall, but that, Anytime that happens, no matter how good the matchup, no matter how good the fighter, for me, that knocks it down. So I'll, I'll, I'll take a Prohachka Pereira. Goes, is it unanimous or do you offer a defense for the heavyweights? Man, this is a nightmare because both fights on paper are just so awesome. I'd be shocked if either one of them went the distance. But it's kind of odd because both scenarios, when you think about it, even though titles are going to be wrapped around waist at the end of the night, you just have this weird feeling that you still wouldn't know that the best fighter in that division is standing there with a belt around their waist, right? It's almost like uh, the old Star Wars movies where you'd see the Force ghosts. You're going to see one of Jamal Hill standing in the background. You're going to see one of John Jones, right? It's just kind of an odd scenario. I get where these guys are coming from, and they kind of sold me a little bit. But I went into this a little bit thinking more on the heavyweight side just because uh, that division is kind of popping and you have these two young bucks 
I don't like the fact that Aspinall didn't really fully prepare for this. That does bother me a little bit. But I think the way the fight can play out will be a lot of fun. I feel like uh, it's going to be more chess. And the other one was just going to be maybe not checkers, but I mean, they're going to really go at each other. So I think the other two guys actually kind of swayed me a little bit. But my original pick was the heavyweights. And how can you go wrong, man? Two hungry lions. They're trying to establish their position here in the heavyweight division. Uh, but you know what? I'll, I'll admit it. You two guys won me over. How about that? And he's telling the truth. He really was leaning towards the heavyweights, which I still am only because there is some beautiful footwork that Tom Aspinall has as a big dude. I just I can only skip rope for 30 seconds and my calves give out. But this dude just has the ability to bounce. Look at him right there. Look at that B-roll by Cold Coffee. Um, and then, of course, Pavlovich, man, with those heavy hands. He loves the crack. That's really, really hard to top. Now, that said, the light heavyweights, those guys are some gangsters too. Pajeda, what a story, guys. This guy, you know, was doing the whole middleweight thing just a year ago, was successful, won that title. Then over the weekend, or I think we hear he's going to be in the Glory Hall of Fame. I mean, that's amazing. What a combat sports career. And if he can cap 2023 off with uh, uh, winning the title here, man, that, that would be pretty special. And then Yuri Prashaska, who can afford? Who can forget that fight? I think it was in Singapore, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that he had, oh, that elbow that's coming up here against uh, Reyes. That was nasty. But remember him versus Glover Teixeira? Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was one of the craziest fights I've ever seen. And I think that one will probably be in the UFC Hall of Fame's um, fight wing. So I'm I'm all over it, but I, I think I'm going to stick to the heavyweights, and maybe that's because I'm a heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm partial to the big fellas. All right, listen, we got a special guest coming up. So whenever he's ready to pop in, he'll pop in because we got to clear some things up here on uh, spinning back click. My man, Nolan King and goes had to grow out some mustaches because back in September, me and Danny had a bet. Either his mustache was going to go or the little that I got left on this dome was going to go. But we got bailed by Michael Bell. We got bailed out by Michael Bell. And luckily, we threw that caveat in there. Well, what if it's a draw? Draws are rare, guys. But there was a draw in the title fight. And so these two, God, I wish we would have pinned them to the Mohawks. But they said they would grow mustaches. <laughs> and here they are. They paid their dues, especially Nolan, man, for the last six weeks. Goes just started growing that, I think, last night. Um, <laughs> but here they are to pay off their bets. So congratulations, guys. And Danny, do is a guy that's rocking a mustache, do they get your approval? They get my, my approval. Shouts out to both for honoring their side of the bet, um, which I think I, I really do think they did it jokingly. They didn't imagine this fight going to a draw. They were kind of just like, yeah, whatever. We'll just throw that out there. Um, but it happened. It happened. So uh, I'm glad that I still have the mustache on my face. Um, and uh, yeah, shouts out to these guys for honoring the bet. Yeah, I was saying it goes last night. I think you guys could have got a lot more out of us. Like that, we got pretty good odds on the mustache. You know what I mean? Like, you you're gonna have to shave your head. You're gonna have to shave your 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 stash that you always rock. Uh, so I'm okay with it. We were good sports about it. Uh, six weeks or whatever of, of doing this, waiting to be on SBC to to show it off, and here I am. So it's all fun. Yeah, man. two weeks ago, shout no out, was like, shout okay, out I'm Mike ready Bell, to shout out Alexa. Yeah. <laughs> he's like i'm ready to pay this off what, what's happening here and every time i looked at the schedule either one guy was on or the other one wasn't or we just didn't get to it so i told goes i go hey enough already start growing out that mustache 
and he did it. I, 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 I think it was last Thursday I told him. He didn't have too much, but the kid can really grow a mustache pretty damn quick. Yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on here, dude. That, the night of the fight, I don't know if Nolan can co-sign on this, but growing a mustache was the last thing I was thinking about. It was really, <laughs> is Danny going to have to cut his or is George going to have to shave his head? And uh, I never in a million years would have thought we'd be in this situation after that. But I remember getting Nolan's text all the time. It was, bro. <laughs> and it was the exact feeling I had. I couldn't believe we're in this situation, man. I can't wait for the show to be over so I could shave the stupid thing off. It's coming off? You got to leave Hell it for yeah. the watch along. Bro, if I walk yeah. next to a school, I'll probably get shot looking like this, dude. Like, <laughs> this is not a good look on me, man. Nolan, you're going to New York. You shaving it or you rocking it? Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's Movember, so I feel like it's a little uh, more acceptable now, you know, even if it you never get a good feel. Like if I see myself on camera this week, I might be like, Oh my God, I got to get rid of that. But well, I'll rock it for a few more days. At least see, uh, see how that goes. Goes. If you rock it till next week's SBC, if there's a draw this weekend, I'll shave it all. No, no, no one's got more of an ass kicker though. He's got like the early nineties, Ben Affleck, bad guy in a movie classic, you know, the, the, the classic Ben Affleck ass kicker, whereas uh goes is like Peruvian Tom Selleck. Just looking handsome. I, I like it. Goes. <laughs> I just now that like you're not handsome. On, Nolan, you're, you're handsome too. Nolan. Just saying, I, I like the, I like the Selleck over here. I look like I'm running a pawn store in Guadalajara, Mexico or something. <laughs> dude. Like not even a successful one. Like I'm just, I'm making bad deals. Like, it's not a good look. This man. could kick off your acting career, Ghost. <laughs> yeah. This could be the break you were looking for. Well, listen, since we got Nolan, let's crack some of these additionals. Uh, Nolan, stick around with us here. Sure. It'd be great to have you chime in. Um, some stuff went down this past week. Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, he recently revealed a torn ACL while training. Says he was training for an MMA fight and hopes to still compete next year. He's 39. And let's just say he certainly doesn't need the money. So is it a good idea or a bad idea? Nolan, let's start with you. No, I think it's a good idea. You know, I think obviously it's going to get a lot of eyeballs on it. If he keeps the uh, the charity portion intact that was talked about with Elon Musk, I think that's good. And uh, I think it's good for us to have somebody that's got his influence and uh, sh- certainly the money uh, getting involved in the sport. So I don't hate it. I think, uh, you know, he's, st- he's 39, it's kind of older, coming off a knee injury. But for somebody that wants to take an amateur fight and I don't think has any expectations of doing anything necessarily uh, in terms of professionally. I love it. I think it's great. Dan, Tom, how about you, man? Yeah, I'm definitely usually the hater on all this stuff because I just, I still don't understand when I'm walking through the grocery store folks that we have like magazines still with celebrities, like faces on it. Like we're just so consumed by that. That being said, I don't want to be a hypocrite as a 38 year old, uh, who stupidly wants to compete and does not and has even less gain and even less uh, uh, opportunity to generate the charity like a Zuckerberg would have. So I'm definitely not going to hate on the guy. Although I will say, I think uh, Elon Musk's uh, interest in fighting him is about as comparable to John Jones's interest in fighting Ninganu. And Musk is too busy destroying the platform uh, where a lot of us uh, counted on. So thank you for that, Elon, you douche. I do hope you get in there just so you get your butt beat. That's about it. Hang on a second. <laughs> Dan, would you fight Zuck? You know, we're, we're, we're comparable. I'm, I'm a bit heavy right now, but, uh, you know, my aim weight uh, you, it wouldn't, wouldn't be too far for where he's walking around right now from what I hear. But, yeah, that would be awesome. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm just, you know, hopefully I'm not related to his, like, his wife or whatever. So it's not like a family on family <laughs> affair. And we'll just we'll just double check there. I think we're good. I think Dan Tom wants Elon Musk. 
Yeah, I would rather I would rather have Musk. I would rather have Musk for sure. Yeah, little, just little just pride just, open but, but weight action. Yeah, so, but that'd be like punching like a big like big giant bag of milk though. I mean, that'd be I mean my what bag if he just lays it impressive. Properly.